Welcome back to the Coffee with Craner show. I'm your host, Lyndon Crane, joined today by Alex Deans, a Windsor-born um, inventor, artist, speaker. He's also uh, Canadian and British, um, and glad to have Alex on the show today. Just to give you a, a background on, on what who Alex is, um, at the age of 12, he created iAid, which is a, a tool to help, a navigation tool to assist the blind. And now he's went on and created a company called Pickle, which we'll talk more about. I don't want to spoil what the company is all about. And you're probably wondering, how did the name happen? Uh, but aside from that, Alex has done some exceptional things. He's only 24 years old. He's Queen Elizabeth the Second's youth leader for Canada and many other things. He was a We Day speaker and also uh, a change agents ambassador for RBC and also on the advisory council for the Globe and Mail. And he's also currently a medical student at Western University. So there's definitely a lot on Alex's plate and I appreciate your time today, Alex. Excited to kick off the interview with you. So happy to be with you, Lyndon. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Favorite question, ask it every single show. Where in Windsor Essex is your favorite place to coffee to grab a, a cup of joe or coffee? So this is kind of terrible, but I'm the only one in my family who doesn't drink coffee. And given that my mom is British, I'm kind of like a family embarrassment because I don't drink tea either. Um, <laughs> so I've got my I've got my ginger beer here. But uh, I do have a favorite couple of, of uh, coffee shops in, uh, in Windsor, mostly for its snacks. Um, so Tallulah would be my, would be my favorite. I, I've got to say they got good cookies, good, good dishes. I'm all, all for that. Um, but yeah, I have this kind of irrational fear of hot liquids. So, so that's why I, no, it's, it's no, no tea, no coffee, no soups. Everything else I well, eat. Yes, and I imagine as a, as a medical student, you're probably in cafes or or the lounge area in Western University, or at your house, um, surrounded by coffee lovers and and a coffee yeah. shop. Check check back in me. Check back with me maybe a year when I'm very sleep deprived, um, halfway through medicine, and I might be drinking coffee. Yes. So, Alex, so I wanted to jump in and talk about uh, your career in, in STEM and inventing. It all happened at a, at a young age. How did how did you gain this interest? Well, I think my interest really started when I was uh, young. It was kind of groomed in me from my parents. So they really encouraged me from an early age to just experiment. I had a very unstructured childhood where um, I was allowed to go outside, make things, build things, break things. And there were never any consequences for, for, for any of my mistakes. Um, as long as I took ownership of something and, and fixed it, it was okay. So I've, I flooded the basement. I've I've uh, burned noxious gases inside the house. I've done all that stuff, and nobody was ever upset um, unless I made an attempt to fix it myself. So that that was my first um, foray into the creative process, and it was very encouraging because I realized that there were no repercussions for getting something wrong. Um, so after that, I, I, I stumbled across uh, robotics, uh, ordered some some parts of robot shop and different electronic stores online. And that's when I really started tinkering more and building more hardware. I know, and especially, I mean, at a, at a young age and uh, your parents allowing you to craft whatever you were working on in the house and trusting you to make sure that the house doesn't burn down um, was definitely probably a great thing to, to have and be able to, to do at, at a young age. 
And um, specifically with, with IAID uh, being able to receive much recognition from um, the Canadian science fairs and other fairs across the world, um, you're really able to take a project that you started at your house and, and launch it and, and become uh, well-recognized for it. Can you talk to us about the behind the scenes stage of developing and launching this type of product? What did it take at, uh, I mean, 12 years old to, to work on that? Sure. So I would say that um, that idea and none of my ideas were really conceived on paper before they were built. They were all just sort of happy accidents. Um, so I had been doing science fairs for a long time, um, from, from grade three or four up, um, three or four onwards. So I had just gotten used to over the winter doing science fair projects in my basement, building things, presenting them in the spring and going from there. Um, and then it was one summer when I was downtown um, on Ouellette and I met a woman who uh, was blind, couldn't cross the street and shed a light for me on the difficulties faced by the blind in navigating around. Um, so I went home and then given my, my, my very introductory knowledge of tinkering, I started building the iAid, um, which at that point was just a sensor on a belt which beeped if anything came in front of it. So it was basically just like an object detection system. I took that to the Canadian National Institute for the Blind. Uh, they were very encouraging, although the technology did not work at that point. And then over the next three or four years, I evolved the IAID with their feedback um, into something that worked. So now it uses uh, sensors to scan environments. It relays information to the user with a joystick. So you hold a joystick in your hand and it rotates left to right to show the direction of navigation. And it tilts like this in your hand to show you how far away you are. So if you're really far away from destination, you're like, it goes like this. And as you get closer, it becomes more vertical. So it's like having a friend by your side who can lead you to where you want to go. Um, so that, that was kind of the evolutionary process. And it really started uh, from just tinkering to, to um, really being shaped by feedback as I went. And as I, as I went along, I realized that there are a lot of skills that I was lacking in terms of development. So that was the point when I started reaching out to all my forums, other inventors, makerspaces, um, and they gave me either advice or helped me um, with the technical skills to build it up. All right, sorry, it looks like it, it's cutting out a bit, but uh, I am back and I-, I No problem. I'm just gonna refresh my page here. There we go, uh, let's see here. Okay, can you hear me? Can you hear me now and see me now? Crystal clear, yeah, you're all good. Perfect. So I, I wanted to ask, I mean, at a young age going and approaching people at um, the Canadian Institute for the Blind and things like that, how did you convince those people that uh, your product worked and that it was something they should invest in? Um, so to be honest, I when I started the conversation, it was never um, in terms of inv investment or anything like that. It was more of saying, here's something I built. Can I just get your feedback on it? I don't I don't want anything in terms of a commitment or a long-term commitment from you guys. I'm just looking for some feedback on this thing that I built. And what I found with that approach is that nine times out of 10, people are really willing to help um, because 
they recognize the importance of it and it's people people tend to give back um so that was my introduction to to the, the people at the cnib i started building up relationships from there and then at that point that's when i could get a little bit more participation and longer longer term commitments from everybody so it wasn't necessarily a sales pitch when you were when you were no. approaching these individuals no okay. and, and honestly yeah, very yeah, it couldn't really be a sales pitch because I didn't have anything to sell, right? Like it was just it was just an idea that in my mind seemed like it could go to a good it could go to a good place, but there was nothing technical that was working well at that point. Um so it was it was just my vision and then um kind of building up relationships with them that led to an actual product. And would you say that's a difficult thing for people that are inventing inventors is not necessarily having a product line, but just a, a concept and an idea and maybe a, a demo product. Is it hard, like being an inventor yourself, is it hard to have other people see that vision? I think over the years I've been getting better at, at making my visions or, or ideas uh, clearer to the people I want to sell to. Um, so you do have to sell them on the idea itself because there's no business to back it up. And that's very true for most software companies where your your um, your upfront cost is really high to build all the platform. So nine times out of ten for that, you're not going to have any anything built um, when you go to pitch. So uh, I typically now tend to mock up on paper um, a nice visual sketch of what the platform looks like, what it can do, what its capabilities are going to be like, just to get a sense of what it will be like in the user's hands. Um, and then once the person you're trying to pitch to can see themselves using it, um, it's a much easier sell. So that that's that's my approach now, and it's, it's morphed a little bit. Interesting, interesting, very interesting. And I know you are continuing to invent, and um, you're very um, entrepreneurial. Talk to me about Pickle. You recently founded the company. Your your founder and CEO. Uh, what's it all about? Sure. So Pickle started in 2020 uh, in the summer. Uh, so it was a COVID summer, so I, I was taking a break, not doing much of anything, and then stumbled across this idea. So what it is, is an app that uses um, artificial intelligence algorithms to give uh, a diagnostic workup for common medical um, symptoms. So for example, if you go into your primary care clinic with um, back pain, uh, there's a whole bunch of different diseases that can cause back pain. And as a family doc who sees so many different diseases, sometimes it's really hard to know what questions or investigations to order to get to a diagnosis. Whereas if you have a, a back pain specialist seeing that patient, they might get to it in a, the diagnosis in a more efficient way. So the algorithms we have try to mimic that specialist approach to problems to guide primary care doctors to a more efficient diagnosis. Um, so we, we started building algorithms across uh, uh, different specialties. So we did endocrinology with some specialists at Duke, um, gastro, gastro, like GI, gastrointestinal and, and kidney problems um, at Harvard and here at Western, we're doing eyes as well. So we built those algorithms out. Um, we are in the midst of validating uh, most of them and we finished one ophthalmology pilot, which improved diagnostic accuracy from 54% without pickle to 95% with pickle. So we saw really good improvements um, in, in areas that maybe are not as well understood in medicine. 
So that's 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 the idea, and now we're trying to diversify it to different specialties and more clinical complaints. Wow, very innovative. Have you been able to tie in this project with your your studies at Western? Yeah, actually, the the being in the hospital and working clinic has been one of the greatest um, ways to sell the product because <laughs> I'm I'm working with with the people who are going to use it. Um, and that was very instrumental in building out the product itself, uh, where I could iterate something one day, go that evening to clinic and ask a doctor right away, okay, try this out. Does this work or not? And what changes um, would you want to see? So it allowed us to iterate a lot faster and get the product to a place where it's um, sellable. Very, very cool. Are you, do you see anything happening in the future with Pickle? Where do you want it to go? Yeah, so our, our, our one-year plan is uh, to expand from the six specialties we're at now to uh, eight or nine. Um, and that's going to bring the total number of, of algorithms we have, meaning like an algorithm for back pain, algorithm for constipation, et cetera. Um, so our total algorithms will go from uh, 30 uh, to around 60 to 70. Um, and over the next two to three years, uh, you know, build up um, exponentially. But longer term, we want to see this as something that's natively integrated with what physicians are already using in practice. So right now they use what's called an EMR, an electronic medical record. Um, so it's basically a digital version of the patient's chart that they can access on the computer. Um, and it has all the patient's vital signs like heart rate, blood pressure, past medical history, all of that stuff on there. So we want to integrate Pickle as a native widget within a lot of the common EMRs so that when that patient comes in with back pain, um, Pickle will already be right there, can automatically start making um, uh, or recommending investigations and, and recommend likely diagnoses. It, it seems like it's making the, the job of the um, physician or any type of um, doctor, it's making their job easier. Yeah, that, that's the goal, right? We're not we're not trying to replace clinical judgment, and we never can because there there is a certain art to medicine. Um, but we envision pickle more as a as a tool that you can use to guide your decision making. And um, ultimately, there's those different situations that pickle is going to miss because it's not seeing the patient in front of it, and it can't it can't pick up on subtle signs that physicians can. Um, but we're trying to get the 85 to 90% of common things that are missed um, and just help physicians to look out for them. That's amazing. And I, I would imagine like focusing on, on med school and medical sciences, how did you get involved with AI? Um, so I, I got involved with AI um, basically first through Pickle. So it, I don't really have a lot of experience building on the AI side myself. Um, now I'm more on the uh, on the on the vision side of technology, so I, I try to do all the ideation for what I would want the tool to have um, and where I could see it going. And then I work more on the business side now. Um, in terms of the tech development, my my brother's uh, working on that. He's a software, wow. uh, computer engineering uh, student, and we also have a tech team. So they handle the AI, and I kind of <laughs> just let them let them do that. And uh, um, uh, at the beginning, we, we came up with a strategy for how we want to attack different problems and how we can mimic some of that decision-making that goes on within specialist minds. So that was my contribution, the overall framework. Um, but how the AI handles it now is all the tech team. 
Very cool. Now from I aid and now pickle is, are there certain things that you've been able to pick up lessons that you've learned as a, a very, very young, um, inventor and entrepreneur? Yeah, I think one of the main things that I, that I also hear from many, um, business communities, but which I often forget myself is talk to your customers first and then build your product. Don't build your product first and then try to find customers. Um, and I think I've made that mistake with both I and Pickle um, because you think you know what's going on. You start building something and then you go back and realize you've been doing it all wrong. Um, so my advice would be number one, network, get in touch with um, your local business or creative community, whether that's Makerspaces, Epicenter in Windsor, WeTech Alliance. Um, those are all great places to start meeting people who are just doing stuff. Um, and that's typically where ideas come from. Communi communication and networking, that's where all of mine have come from. Um, at that point, you can always pick up skills. So I've, I've never looked at it as this is what I'm good at. So therefore, I'm going to pick an idea that that's in line with that. I just find the problem and figure out how to how to get myself the skills to solve it. Wow, no, that's that's very important, important putting putting the clients first and understanding uh, what the need is, right? Right. And, and you get you get um, different needs from different people. And sometimes you look at um, your user base and you think it's very homogenous and you go and talk to them and realize that there's actually different subsets that want or need different things, um, which which affects how you develop the device. And now jumping into more advice for students that are looking to become inventors, let's say they're in computer science or um, they're in engineering or they're a medical student like yourself, or they are in business, they want to become an entrepreneur. It's obviously a very cutthroat industry and being able to differentiate yourself can be extremely hard. What advice do you have to those individuals that are looking to jump into this career, um, might be a bit uneasy about it because of all the competition? Yeah, I think um, now you're seeing more of a shift um, in employers looking for practical experience, especially in engineering. Um, so I went to school in Montreal for, for chemical engineering, and I did find that my practical experience was lacking. So there was very little co-op um, or on the, um, on the ground uh, experience that we, that we learned. Um, and that puts at a disadvantage when compared to some other programs. So what I would say is if you're in engineering and looking to get into industry, then look at programs or take opportunities that get you that practical experience. And if you have these side projects, um, like I like to work on, um, or your own ideas, which involve building things out and working with um, working with industry, that's just a great opportunity to number one, work on something you enjoy, but number two, get connections to those companies um, where you can you can either uh, bring them on board um, with what you're doing or or go into their company later on. Um, so I, I do think finding your personal interest in networking can go very hand in hand. And, and, do you think ideas are, are created from that? Absolutely. Did you have any yeah, ideas spark from, from your placements or, or working in the field um, while you're in medical school? Yeah, so so Pickle came about from working in primary care clinics. Um, so I had spent the week before in a specialist clinic and then that week in primary care. And I just saw how, um, how things were approached very differently. So primary care physicians were really good at 
distinguishing between so many different types of diseases or, or, or symptoms, um, whereas, whereas specialists are very good at three or four symptoms, but getting to disease really fast. Um, so that was that was kind of on the job um, experience that guided that guided that. Um, I did same thing. That was a real life experience. Um, and from talking to this the lady that I met, that's when I realized some of the limitations facing the blind. Um, guide canes and guide dogs were the two things she told me about. So guide dogs had a limited working life. They cost forty thousand dollars to train um, wow. every couple of years. Guide canes are basically just. I mean, let's be honest, they're just sticks that you're waving around and if they collide with anything, then you know something's there. So it's not, that's not really how how human vision or human navigation works. Um, so those were two very significant limitations that I hadn't really thought through until I talked to her. Um, and uh, um, I think so much has come from that. Well, you, you learn by experience. Absolutely, you just gotta get your hands dirty. Yes, and, uh, and tinker with a few things. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, before we go, and I know I was posting about it a bit, how many people uh, get to meet the queen? And you were awarded uh, the Queen Elizabeth II's Young Leader Award for Canada. Talk to us about that. What was it like? Uh, it was, well, it was amazing. Um, so it was um, awarded for uh, with the work that I had done with uh, youth and visually impaired. Uh, so I spent uh, two weeks in England um, with uh, uh, 45 other uh, awardees from across Commonwealth countries. Um, so people have been doing a variety of, of things from uh, working with refugees in Malaysia to um, uh, women's health in India and, and in, the, in the slums of India and teaching people about um, uh, menses and, and uh, female hygiene, all that kind of thing. So there's a really wide range of work being done and that network is very active um, even today. So we have a big WhatsApp group that, that has you know 15 different notifications a day about the work that they're doing or opportunities that people are trying to put forward. So it's, it's a very dynamic, um, very collaborative group and it's, it's really good to be a part of. So the first week we spent um, doing activities together and then uh, we wrapped it up by uh, going to Buckingham Palace and being presented uh, by uh, by the Queen with the award, which was nerve-wracking to say the least. Um, but uh, we all walked in, they have you line up. Um, they, they tell you when to walk out. So you walk out to her and she kind of leans forward and goes, well, how are you doing? You know, and then you and then you <laughs> you you kind of just blurt out whatever you blurt out. And then when she's done with you, she kind of takes your hand, gives it back to you pushes you away like ever so slightly and you know it's time to go um and that's and and that's how it went it was it was a blur but um it was a really awesome unforgettable experience and and as i said it's it's still a very active network now so it doesn't really feel like a lot of time has passed yes well i mean it must feel really special to you and it definitely is to you know somebody from windsor essex being awarded this very prestigious honor uh, from the Queen and for the great work that you're doing with the blind and youth across Canada. And, and to mention, um, you've spoken to over 160,000 youth through We Day. He's been on stage with, I believe, the Jonas Brothers and um, Headley, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So I, I haven't um, met Kevin, so not all <laughs> Jonas Brothers. Not all, just a few. I don't know um, where he's hiding. Yes. But uh, Kevin, if you're watching, 
Um, but no, Alex, I, I really appreciate your time. Awesome conversation of talking about uh, what you've been up to lately with Pickle, uh, what your experience was with IAID, all the great work that you're doing in medical school now. Um, I, myself, I'm looking forward to continuing to following your journey. Um, you're only 24, so there's a, a lot more ahead for you, I'd imagine, and, and more creations that you'll be coming up with. And um, and now you'll continue with med school. So, Alex, pleasure to have you on the show and really talk about your your career and uh, your studies. Thank you so much, Lyndon. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. Yes, and, and everyone watching, thanks so much for watching. You can watch the full episode on coffeewithcranier.com just in case you missed it. So we'll see you very soon. Take care.